anything wrong in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beaten for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Jimmy's Bob Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my win it is time for Major League Baseball to consider a salary cap after all these years. And the initial reaction to anybody listening to this is going to be, oh man, here's another one of those pro-owner people that's just against players' salaries increasing. And if you've listened to some of the previous passball shows, you've heard me talk about the one thing that really is holding players in baseball back from being able to maximize their full potential in regards to salaries that they're going to make. The fact that there isn't a salary cap in baseball has gotten to a point where it's not helping the players. In fact, if you look at the salary structure of the teams that are not interested in spending a lot of money, the top salaries for teams that have made it very clear that they're not willing to pay their players beyond a certain level, it's actually had the inverse effect of what you would expect not having a salary cap to be. The natural reaction to no salary cap means that salaries are unlimited. Baseball players, as they were just negotiating with the owners in the last CBA, I think you've realized that their potential to make the most amount of money is getting to a point where it's being interfered with. The luxury tax as it exists with the penalties per teams, yes, are capping what the top teams are going to be willing to spend. It's making it more difficult for, let's say, the Steve Cohens of the world if he wants to spend 500 or a, a billion, a 500 million or a billion dollars in regards to a year's payroll, it's going to be very difficult for him to do that. He can do it, but he has to pay, you know, up to what, 80%, 90% of being over a certain amount. So you understand why that was put in there. Now, listen, is it fair for, you know, an owner that's worth, you know, $13 billion like Steve Cohen? To have an advantage over some other owners that may barely be worth a billion? Uh, listen, they're all little side discussions that we could have when it comes to this, but I've come to a point where I've realized that not having a salary cap in baseball is bad, and there probably should be a salary cap as it comes in conjunction with a salary floor. And the salary floor that's in places could force teams that have decided, the Oakland Athletics of the world, the Cincinnati Reds of the world, the Baltimore Orioles, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Orioles and Pirates, who I think of as two of the more prouder franchises to exist in Major League Baseball, or at least in the early part of my lifetime, or around you know the 70s, as we got into the 80s. You were proud of the Orioles. You were proud of the Pirates because you really kind of resonated when it came to thinking about baseball. You started to think about those teams and the strength and the greatness of the players that they had there. From the likes of Frank Robinson and Jim Palmer with the Orioles swinging into Eddie Murray and Cal Ripken. And of course the Pirates with Clemente and Stargell and 
Al Oliver and everybody that's associated with those organizations, now you feel bad. You feel bad for the fans who basically are just stuck in a situation where they happen to be owned by the wrong owner or the wrong people right now. People that are looking at their business as a Major League Baseball franchise that they own. And they should be lucky. They should be privileged. They should enjoy that. But they're running it like they're just trying to make a profit in a standard business. And I have an issue with that because when it comes to sports and it comes to sports fans, fans look for one thing. They want to know that their team has a chance to win. Listen, the diehards will be able to settle for less than a championship, you know, certainly every year. Um, Certainly one every five years, one every 10 years, sometimes one in a generation can can be can last a lifetime for fans. Ask fans of the New York Mets. You know, all you hear about when it comes to the New York Mets and their history is, oh, how great the 1986 team was. Almost completely disregarding the 35 years that have gone by or or more since they've last won a World Series championship. And when it comes to the interest that fans have, they want to know that their team is in it. And they're stuck because their fandom can't change. The fans of the Orioles and the Pirates and the Athletics and the Reds, they can't just go root for another team. And if you're that much into baseball and baseball is your sport, it's not like you could go swing to, let's say if you're a Phillies fan and things aren't going well, you could root for the 76ers or the Eagles. You know, Mets, if things aren't going well, you can root for the Giants or the Rangers are in the playoffs. Whoop-de-doo. Maybe the Knicks or the Nets. You know, if you're into a certain sport, it's not that easy to just say, hey, I'm not going to pay attention to my sport. And baseball has to do something to force the owners that, number one, probably shouldn't be in this sport. Now, listen, I don't have the power, and certainly Major League Baseball doesn't have the power to determine who owns a franchise? Because that's that's money. You know, that's that person putting the money together to purchase and own the franchise. They've made the investment in it. They have the ownership stake. So once they have that, they can do whatever they want to it. As long as they're not breaking the law. As long as they're not doing something that could be considered not in the best interest of baseball. Oh, wait a second. They kind of are. So where do you draw the line when it comes to, let's say, what Frank McCourt did to be run out as the owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers? You know, George Steinbrenner to be suspended. Uh, other, other owners that have been kind of pushed to the side. But yet, when we think about the integrity of baseball and what's in the best interest of baseball, teams that have owners that are just happy about turning a profit and aren't willing to have a payroll that it takes to win a championship in baseball is a little bit of a problem. And I don't think these issues that exist with the teams that I just mentioned are going to resolve themselves anytime soon. And it's time for baseball to consider having a salary cap or trying a salary cap in conjunction with a salary floor. And like you've heard me talk a couple weeks ago or a month ago when it came to the NFL, the NFL salary cap either should be raised or there should be some more resistance when it comes to owners paying the top players
players at each position as much as they're paying them because the salaries are rising in a sport of the National Football League way above what the salary caps are sitting at. So the Aaron Rodgers and the Devontae Adams of the world and the A.J. Browns that are getting paid more and more money are eating up more and more of a given team's salary cap as it's not moving at the same rate. So I do have an issue with that as well. So another thing that I wanted to touch on, you know, we, I spoke a little bit about Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, him not being happy that Malik Willis was drafted in the fourth round. And maybe maybe that wasn't really his opinion. Maybe he didn't, um, you know, it certainly wasn't run through Ryan Tannehill. He didn't get his consent. Um, Ryan Tannehill has spoken out and said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not... It's not my job to mentor my replacement. It's not my job to train and make sure the quarterback that at some point is likely to take over for me is ready and gets better. And you can relate this to any point in your job. Usually, if you're training somebody to for your position in an office job or some sort of setting where there's progression and people grow and move into other positions, then likely there's a promotion in it for you. In other words, if you're moving up in the, in, in the world of whatever it is that you're doing, you know your business or the place that you work for may say, "Listen, you're going to need. We're going to need somebody in your position if we're going to move you up. We want to make sure that that person that's taken over for you is ready. And that position that you're in, you're saying, "Listen, I'm moving up. In more, in most cases than not, I'm getting more money. I'm getting more prestige. I'm moving up the corporate ladder, but." The good move for the company is to make sure that the person that is replacing you in the position that you were in as you move up is ready to do a good job. Now, it doesn't work like that in the National Football League. You know, ask Joe Montana when Steve Young was there. Ask Tom Brady when Jimmy Garoppolo was there. Ask Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. You know, and Aaron Rodgers had to look at it from two different ways. You know, Aaron Rodgers was the the guy that was supposed to be mentored and planned to be the future quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and you know, Brett Favre hated it. Brett Favre may have hated him. You know, it didn't take it took up until a couple of years ago where really Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre even spoke. You know, Jordan Love gets drafted in the first round of the draft by the Green Bay Packers. You know, is it Aaron Rodgers' job to get Jordan Love ready to be the quarterback of the future? And there's so many other instances when you look at young quarterbacks that are taken in different positions. Malik Willis wants to get prepared and ready, and he has the the raw tools and certainly the potential to be a good quarterback in the National Football League, and he needs somebody to show him. But that's not the job of the active NFL quarterback to train the person that's going to be his replacement. You know, when the Indianapolis Colts drafted Andrew Luck, number one overall. It got to a point where there was no way that the Colts could roster both Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Peyton Manning's coming off an injury, sure, but is he, is he, what, what is it like for his psyche as he's got a very highly rated and expected future star quarterback right there next to him? No, nobody wants to do that in the NFL. Nobody's going to do that in the NFL. So the question is, hey, is Ryan Tannehill wrong for going out there and saying that? No. And I have no issue. I have no issue. I I have no problem with him 
speaking that up. You say, hey, it's okay to lie. I don't think it is in this situation because he's speaking what every other quarterback already knows. At some point, teams have a responsibility to, to switch things over and move from a quarterback that's there, in many cases one that's been very successful, and switch to another one where they expect to be just as good as or better over the next series of years. And I said in the NFL, when it comes to quarterback, the best way to do this is just rip the Band-Aid. If you're going to draft a guy, move on from the one that you got. If you made the decision that the person you're bringing in is going to be the, the one for the future, well, it, it's going to come at the expense of the person that is under center for your franchise. So my suggestion would have been, hey, if the Titans were that high on Malik Willis and felt like this guy was going to be the quarterback of the future, which he still may be, he probably will be at some point, then they have that decision to make with Ryan Tannehill. Either move on from him or don't draft Malik Willis. Now, the other element is, all right, you draft Malik Willis. Well, don't, don't sit here and expect that Ryan Tannehill is going to go out of his way to try to make sure that Malik Willis can be the best that he can be. What Ryan Tannehill knows about the Tennessee offense, you know what? It doesn't sound right that he wouldn't want to share that with Malik Willis. But think about Joe Montana. Joe Montana didn't want to share any information about the 49er offense to Steve Young. Because look what happened. Joe Montana got hurt. Steve Young, we saw what, what he could bring. And the 49ers were like, dude, this is why we brought Steve Young in. He's going to be the quarterback of the future here. They traded Joe Montana to the Kansas City Chiefs. These things happen. It's understandable. You know how it works in the National Football League. And you know about the egos that exist. We could talk about the wide receivers and the fact that they're such divas. And you, know, you heard me on my last show, if you listen, talking about how the importance of that position is resulting in, a, in the wide receivers making the amount of money that they're making now. And they're almost being used at the expense of the running backs. You know, the Debo Samuels, the Tyree Kills, the, the players with the speed. They want to get the ball in their hands. They don't care if they're handing the ball off to them or throwing a ball downfield. But when it comes to the quarterback, everything runs through the quarterback when it comes to the National Football League. You don't have a Super Bowl caliber team unless you have a star quarterback. Now, the Titans are in, a, in an interesting situation. It's interesting because, you know, what is Malik Willis's ceiling? And I don't know. You know. You're talking about somebody that came out of the University of Auburn and transferred, sat out a year in the portal before going to Liberty. His talent, we, we understand that he's got ability. You know, I go back in the ghost of Christmas past when it comes to the Tennessee Titans and their history, and I think of Vince Young out of Texas and how perfect of a story he was the Texas quarterback star going to a what was a Houston, you know, team, but then was the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, the, the issues between Young and head coach Jeff Fisher and, you know, neither one of them really did anything after that. But I remember uh, you know how excited I was about the ability of Vince Young, watching him win the couple games that he did with the great skills that he had. And after watching Steve McNair for a long time, star, and I, you know, I'm young enough. I'm young enough to remember Warren Moon and the dominance that he had, and what made me a football fan, and made me an Oilers fan, and now a Titans fan. You know, having a prolific quarterback that could do many things, that just has that ability to be that legitimate number one, 
is something that every team in the National Football League that doesn't have a quarterback like that desires. Now, I don't know what Malik Willis's ceiling is, but the Titans believe enough in him that he could be the quarterback as early as this year. If you listen to John Robinson, John Robinson seems, listen, he says, hey, this guy is on the board in the fourth round. You know, we move up a couple spots to get him. We feel like we got a steal. Some people were projecting him to go in the first round, maybe to the Pittsburgh Steelers with the 20th overall pick. And remember, I was talking about the possibility that as many as four quarterbacks could have been taken in the first round of this past year's draft just because of the position scarcity and just because of the what if and just because of the fact that teams are so interested in grabbing that quarterback that they believe can be that next star, the next Patrick Mahomes, the next Josh Allen. You know, you don't know where that player is going to be. And remember Josh Allen and remember Patrick Mahomes? It's not like they went number one overall. Aaron Rodgers didn't go with the first couple picks of the draft. Tom Brady, you know, we know about the story. Him being a six-round pick out of the University of Michigan. He, 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 was, he was number two behind Drew Henson when he was there. You want to get your hands on somebody that you feel like has potential for that reason. And if anybody, including Ryan Tannehill, thinks that he's viewed in the same echelon as the guys I just mentioned, the Bradys, the Rodgers, the Mahomes, the Josh Allens, Russell Wilson, you know, I can name a bunch of other quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, you know, other quarterbacks that are certainly on that top tier, Ryan Tannehill's not there. He is more of a game manager. He's done some very good things. Certainly a couple years ago when he took over for Marcus Mariota, you look at where the Titans have grown with him as a good leader. There's not that extra gear that you're going to see with Ryan Tannehill. He's not going to become Josh Allen. He's not going to become Justin Herbert. He's not going to become Russell Wilson. So I don't blame the Titans at all for bringing in somebody that they believe, hey, if things go right, they think at least there's a chance this guy could be on that type of level. And if he is, well, you know, you feel bad for Ryan Tannehill. But that being said, Ryan Tannehill is under no obligation at all to show Malik Willis anything. He has got as much of a right to show Malik Willis as much as Joe Montana showed Steve Young, as much as Brett Favre showed Aaron Rodgers, and as much as Aaron Rodgers showed Jordan Love, as much as Tom Brady showed Jimmy Garoppolo, and so on and so on and so forth, as much as Peyton Manning showed Andrew Luck, as much as Eli Manning showed... Daniel Jones. And maybe Eli Manning showed Daniel Jones a little more than, than some of the other quarterbacks. Maybe Eli realizes, hey, I'm probably at the end. But there's a reason that the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers, Chargers drafted Justin Herbert and at the same breath moved Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers went to the Colts for one year, not because he could not because they were you know, wondering if Rivers had anything left, but because Philip Rivers wasn't going to sit there and mentor his replacement. He wasn't going to teach Justin Herbert everything he needed to. You take a quarterback with that much talent, one that you expect to be your starter, and if it's not day one, it's day two or year two or year three, but the understanding is you're moving on from the person that is under center. 
And I know it's so easy from this point. Like like I said, I made the uh, comparison. Any other level of job, you know, if you're getting fired, or if you're getting replaced, you know, you, the company you work for is not going to leave you there to train your replacement and make sure that your replacement knows everything that you did. Hey, you may do a good job and they want to move on to you, maybe because you're making too much money, maybe because, uh, I don't know, you, you piss somebody off. There's no requirement that says, hey, you got to show your replacement everything that it is that you know. The only instance, like I mentioned before, is if you're getting promoted, is if you're moving up in a company, then it, it makes sense for the company to ask you to show the person that's replacing you, everything that you know, so they could do a better job. It doesn't work like that in the National Football League. You're not, you're not asking uh, you know, Brett Favre to show Aaron Rodgers everything he knows and then take a hike, take a pink slip on the way out. That's not the way it works. So one of the things that I'm working on, and I find it fascinating in baseball, and I keep going back to this era of 1947 to 1964, where the Yankees were in every World Series except for, what, two of them? Am I, am I right here? Or, no, no, 49, from 49 to 64. The only World Series they weren't in was 54 and 59. And you move into divisional play, which started in 1969, and a lot has changed. The team with the best record is not guaranteed a spot in a World Series anymore. And you've seen teams with the best record in a respective league not win the pennant certainly much more from 1995 on since they added the wild card and of course 2012 on since they added the second wild card 2020 i had the 16 teams in the playoffs and of course you have the additional playoff teams that have been added for for this season right here right you're looking back and now you're going to see what up to six teams 12 teams total Six teams in each league, 12 teams total make the playoffs. So, which would have been one out of 15, right? The team with the best record is not guaranteed very much. Yes, they could gain a bye. They could have home field advantage. They still got to go out there and play the games. You know, ask the Mets of 1988 if having the best record in a National League really meant anything. They had still had to go out there and beat the Dodgers. And there's many other instances. You know, you got... And I'll go through it here. The Pirates of 1972, the Reds of 1973, the Phillies of 77, the Astros of 1980, the Reds of 1981 in the weirdest year that has ever existed in Major League Baseball. The Cincinnati Reds won the National League West in 1981 with the most wins. The Cardinals had the most wins in the National League East. Neither of those teams made the friggin' playoffs because of the split schedule of everything that was changed because of the strike. But so many different teams have had the most wins in each respective league and have not gotten to the World Series. Now, listen, it's it. The rules are all the same. But you look, and I'll end up putting this in a blog piece to talk about teams that have benefited from divisional play and wild card play and other teams that just simply did not because of all the amount of times they led their respective league in wins and end up not getting to the World Series. We'll be back with you. Probably going to do a show next Monday. 
the past ball show brought to you by johnpelli.com st aloysius church in jackson new jersey by two ways one passion food truck located in scranton pennsylvania a little bit more of a recap of the nba you, know, you got a couple more playoff games between today and tomorrow um interesting to see what happens with memphis and golden state uh boston of course playing milwaukee i think those are two series that certainly can go either way uh, if you listen to the show before, you know where I'm leaning with all four of the remaining series. Um, USFL, I'm going to try to watch a little of that. Maybe I got a little insight, a uh, couple points, footnotes, stuff that I could bring to you on the show next coming Monday. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Brian was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books my apartment. Smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the friggin' World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. Now they come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. Not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect horrors and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.